in the rain, you still decided to come out to church. And so we thank you for being here. If you're able, just find your seat and we are going to get started. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. So the kids are up. I forgot to say the kids are up here during worship today. The Bible says, sing aloud to God our strength. Make a joyful shout to the God of Jacob. Raise a song and strike the stimble, the pleasant harp with the lute. So let's just raise a loud noise to him and let's worship with our kids today and just enjoy their joy. That always just blesses my heart so much. He is worthy of our worship. Amen.
surely alive. Let's worship him. This song is so good talking about how we have victory in him. Death has been defeated. The grave will hold us no longer. Hallelujah. Saturday was silent. Surely it was through. The sins went as impossible. Never stopped you. And Friday's disappointment is Sunday's empty tomb. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? And this is the sound of dry bones rattling. This is the praise, make a dead man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. And this is the sound of dry bones rattling. Pentecostal fire. Stirring something new You're not gonna run out of miracles anytime soon
to have you here with us this morning. If you would, just go around and greet some of your family of faith and kids. I will meet you at the back stairs, but don't go down without me. I'll be there in just a second. Good to have you all. We'll give everybody a chance to get their kids down and checked in the kids' church. Live streamers, it's good to have you. I'm glad you're watching online this morning, and hopefully uh, worship was a blessing to you. We'll give everybody a chance to get their kids checked in and, and brought back up before we take up offering. Uh, how, how many of y'all in the house are, are, are people of prayer? I hope everybody raised your hand when I say that. Um, we, we, I would just say is we do have a handful of people that are not feeling well this weekend. So, uh, you know, be praying for your church and, and for those that are in the church and those that are out doing their summer travels or like uh, Jack and Christine and Lori, they're, they're doing their food truck stuff this summer. Just keep people in prayer as summer goes along. And uh, we, we are going to be starting up uh, Monday night prayer again, the first Monday in August, which is August the 1st. So that's coming up pretty soon. So every Monday from 6 to 7, we gather as a church uh, to pray because we are a church that prays. And, and we believe if we don't pray, then, then what good is the rest of the stuff we try to do, right? So uh, keep people up in prayer. Again, we'll give everybody a second to get back up, checking our kids in. Um, one thing I will say while they're doing that, um, before we take up an offering, I do have some announcements after offering, but let me just get this one out of the way. There, there is a um, women's shelter in Bell Fountain, um, and I, I'm not uh, familiar with it, but somebody that I know is, and they want to take on the project of painting the outside of the building for them. Apparently, it's sort of run down. It needs updated a little bit. So I know a couple that wants to take on painting the outside of the building. Um, which I think is a cool thing. Um, 
it's, it's no official date or anything yet, but if you are interested in possibly helping them do that, uh, let me know. I'll take your name down. I'll connect you with them. That way, when they make plans to do it, they can contact the people that might be interested. And, and I don't know how long it'll take. I don't know the size of the building. I just know there's some sprayers involved in all that business. So if you're interested in maybe helping out in that project, I'll connect you to a couple named Tim and Colleen, who I've known for a while. So again, if you're interested in that, let me know. All right, tithe and offering. If you do have something to give, you can prep it. There's offering envelopes and chairs in front of you. Uh, what I'll do this morning, I'll just pray over tithe and offering. If you have something, you can bring it down and throw it in, in our baskets. Lord, we thank you. As we were singing this morning about your provision, honey from the rock, that you are always providing for us, Lord, in the increase of our life, it is holy unto you in, in a way that we give in response to it, Lord, in our tithe and our offering today. We give it as people who live in your provision, Lord. And, and how, how you work in, in doing those things sometimes is, is in ways of mystery, Lord. But we know, we always believe and trust, that's faith, that you are providing for us. So we thank you for that as we give today. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. amen. If you have something, you can bring it. And I will jump and do some announcements. Um, first off... Let's see. Let me see what I got here. Oh, yeah, school supplies. We got school coming. I know the kids are like, but we got school coming up again in about a month, maybe a month and a half. And what we love to do as a church is supply school supplies for all the kids in our church. Uh, we have a lot, a lot, a lot of kids that are homeschooled, plus some public school kids. What we'd like to do is uh, supply school supplies. So and every year I, I remember, even now with my, I still have one in college, so I'm sure she'll ask for some stuff pretty soon, stuff she needs. But I remember always going into school, buying, going to the Walmart or wherever, and with a list of stuff you get from the school and stuff we needed to buy. So we'd love to take care of that. So back at the back, there's a white crate with a red uh, uh, kind of a, a cover on it over there. And on that is a list of stuff that we're asking for. So if you want to, you can take a picture on your phone, take it with you if you're at Walmart or, or wherever you go. Uh, buy some things, bring it, throw it in there, and when school's about to start, we'll distribute all that stuff to the parents, and if we have any school supplies left over, we'll take it over to the Urbana School and, and just give it and uh, let them do with it what they want. So it's just something we wanted to do uh, to bless the families in our church. Uh, next thing is uh, summer youth camp for 5th through 12th graders is actually next week. It's coming out quick, so if, if your student is going... Uh, I know they were trying to make plans about carpooling the kids over because the camp is at Lighthouse uh, Camp in St. Mary's. So uh, if you weren't a part of that conversation, see me and I'll tell you who to talk to. But if, you're, if your fifth, 12th grader has not signed up and they want to go, please see me right after church today so I can get you the, uh, details about that. But it is next week. And by the way, uh, I'm saying next week, this coming week actually, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So be praying for our kids that are there. I think we have right now at least eight fifth to 12th graders that are going, so pray for them. I just know uh, for the long time I was a youth pastor, there's something about getting away and being at camp that God is able to do things that, that are uh, just outside of what normally has been going on. How many know what I'm talking about? And we believe God's going to show up and do great things at camp. So be praying for them. I'm going to be there Friday for the camp, so it'll be a good time. Um, let's see. Oh, after church today, if uh, you have a, a kid that's up through fifth grade, I think, there is a, uh, on August the 7th, there is a event happening at the Botkins Only Believe campus called Aqua Grande. 
And if you know anything about Spanish, that's big water. Okay, a lot of water. All right, so it's a water event. So if you've ever been to the campus, there's a giant field behind the church. It will be absolutely covered with water games and all sorts of stuff. And what they do is they divide kids up in teams. And they go around and do all the water stuff. They provide some food. I was interested in possibly uh, taking some of our kids over that wanted to go. And, and it happens after church that day. So if you were interested in that, after church today, I'll let you get your kids, but meet right here. We'll talk about it for a couple minutes. I'm going to bring a 15 passionate band that day. We'll need some more rides and some things like that. So if you're interested in your kid going to that, it's a free event. It's a blast. So uh, we'll talk about it after church, and I'll give more details about that. Okay? So we'll talk after church. And last but not least, if you're visiting with us today or kind of new with us, if you want to, in the chair in front of you, there's this a card called Get Connected. I'd love for you to fill that out. Give it to me. Give it to my wife. It's just a way for us to connect with you, maybe get to know you, and thank you for being with us. So fill that out and get that to me. I'd love to have that. And last but not least, I know the ladies had a good time yesterday at their coffee and craft thing. Is that correct? The ladies that were there. I know the nursing home did an outreach yesterday. Benny's not here, but we'll catch up with uh, details on that. And then last Sunday, we had our church picnic. I had a good time. I hope you all had a good time at that. And... Um, Unfortunately uh, for Euchre, and I say unfortunately for Judah, Judah was my partner, that's unfortunate for him, but we did win a game, that's right, so I, I get to say that, and then we lost one. We were one and one, not too bad, but anyways, we had a good time, and thank you for the, the birthday stuff and all, I was trying to forget it, you reminded me, but thank you, I appreciate that, and, and all you guys do for me, but anyways, having said that, let's get our Bibles out. If you brought your Bible... You can kind of crack your knuckles today because we're going to jump around on a few different passages of Scripture today. Um, we'll get there in just a second. We've been in a series entitled The Images of Salvation. And what we're after in this series is to, to get a big picture look at what it means to be saved. And when we talk about that stuff um, kind of in a churchy kind of way. We say, are you saved? Yeah, I'm saved. Are you saved? Yeah, I'm saved. And we, we throw these words around that are, are very important, but also to some, sometimes I think we don't get the full scope of what we're saying when we say this stuff. So how many of you count yourself among the saved? Let me see. That God has saved you. Amen. Okay. So what we're doing in this series is we're talking about different uh, descriptions, images, uh, sometimes metaphors, whatever, that we find in the Bible that describe the fullness of our salvation. And there, there's quite a bit there. So I've been saying this each week we've been talking about this because I want to open your eyes and, and maybe, maybe open your brain a little bit to what I'm getting at. Salvation is not going to heaven when you die alone. Now, now what, we, what we've done when we've grown up in American Christianity, you hear this a lot. Make sure that you pray a prayer to accept Jesus in your heart. That way you go to heaven when you die someday. And we say, well, that's salvation. Well, it includes that, but that's a piece of a much bigger puzzle than just going to heaven when you die. So sort of what we're getting at. So when I say that, if you go, wait a minute, that, that's what I thought salvation was. I'm glad you're here. This is what we've been talking about. So I think we're in our third week on this. Uh, so I want you to see the big picture of what it means to be saved. But also, kind of a side note of this, I'm assuming, hopefully, that all of you are, are people of the word. 
whatever your schedule is, whatever your time allows, that you're somebody that reads in your scripture. Don't, don't let church be the only time that this is in your life. Right? Amen. You guys live in a fortunate time. There used to be a time when Bibles were not printed and widespread. The Bible is the number one uh, uh, sold book in the world. It's also the number one stolen book in the world. That makes sense of that. But anyways, that's just something else to throw out there. But it is, it is the number one sold book in the entire world. Now, if you want to steal my Bible, you may have it. I'll just get another one. All right, how about let's just say that. Um, maybe it will be good for you. It wasn't the case in our history. Before the printing press and, and, and all of that, the only time that you ever got anything from the Bible is if you showed up to some sort of gathering of believers. But we don't live in that age any longer. And it's good for you to not only have this, but that this is an important part of your life. So when we talk about that God is always with us, right? You believe that. God is with you, and he's for you, and he, he's working for your good. It is only in the realm of how much you pay attention to that do you understand that. God is with me, but I don't pay attention to him. Then he's just with me, but I'm not paying attention to it. See what I'm getting at? Your awareness and how much you pay attention brings into manifestation the things that God not only is, but, but what he does. So, in other words, if this is an avenue of knowing God and understanding God and growing in him, it's revelation, then why would I ignore this in my life? You're not called to be a theologian. You're not called to be a teacher necessarily. But, but if, if we have this, it's, it's in your home, maybe multiple copies of this in your home, I'm hoping that this somehow, some way, is a consistent part of your life outside of when you come here. Right? And part of a side note of this series, so when you're reading in the scriptures and you come across words like reconciliation, which we talked about last time. Today when we talk about the word redemption, what that means in our salvation. When you come across those, we would say, churchy kind of words, that you understand what the writer is saying in the usage of those terms in that passage of scripture that you're in. So I want you to see a big picture of what it means to be saved, but also a side note, when you're reading your Bible and you come across these terms, you have an idea of, of what's going on in a certain depth of what the author is writing. Does that, does that make sense, what I'm saying? So be a person of the word, okay? Don't just wait for church to, to get into it. But I believe that God is a God who saves, amen. And, and everybody, if you count yourself among the saved, you have a story of salvation. Isn't that right? See, there are, are millions of people who have been saved, but there's a million stories of how salvation has happened. Christianity is not an assembly line kind of work. It's not like putting a truck together in a factory or, in a, or an engine together in a factory. Now everybody's stuck on an assembly line, and it just doesn't happen the same way. Hundreds of, of thousands of stories of salvation. You have a story of salvation. How you have come to give in your life to God, to Jesus. And then the life that you have lived afterward. Salvation is a now thing, not just going to heaven when you die. You, you see what I'm saying? You are saved. 
And in the story of living out your salvation is you are being saved. And there's a time when God will renew all things and you will be saved. So we're talking big picture what it means to be, be saved. Now, by the way, your story of your salvation is your greatest tool of sharing the gospel outside of just telling somebody about Jesus. Do you know that? Maybe your story is you grew up in church and it was just part of your upbringing. At some point, at a certain age, you came to an understanding of the forgiveness of sins and all that. Or maybe, maybe you were older and you were just a dog sinner and somehow came to this revelation that Jesus is who he is and you gave your life to him. There's a process of change happening. See, you can tell somebody about Jesus and then say, but this is what he has done in my life. You know that. You know, it's hard for somebody to discount that. They, they can argue with you about things in the Bible. Let's talk about Noah's Ark. Was that a real story? And all, you, you can argue about all that stuff all you want to, but it's hard to argue with you when you say, God has delivered me, and he's changed me, and he's set me free. They can't argue with that. Your story is a powerful part of being a light in this world. That is why when Paul, we're, we're in Romans, by the way, if you haven't been around on Wednesdays, I think we're headed to chapters 8 and 9 this, this Wednesday in, in the book of Romans. Remember, remember how Paul starts off the book of Romans? It's sort of the thesis statement of the book of Romans. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. You will never share your story of salvation if you're ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Whereas the power of God, right, that the power of God comes in the gospel, to salvation is the mighty acts of God for creation as a whole, by the way. We'll talk about that Wednesday in the book of Romans. But your story is powerful, and don't be ashamed of the gospel work in your life. It is what the entire world needs. The world needs the gospel. Absolutely positively. Don't be ashamed to call yourself a believer. Don't be ashamed that you recognize that there's sin in this world. There is sin. And don't be ashamed that you've been delivered up from sin and given a new life to live. Don't be ashamed of that. And let that be a part of sharing your faith. Okay. The word we want to get at today in Images of Salvation is that word redemption. So reconciliation a week ago. Reconciliation is that my relationship with God has been restored and made right and made whole again. That's reconciliation. So not only are you saved and delivered from your sins, but reconciliation says part of your salvation is my, my relationship with God has been fully restored. That's the declaration of justification. Now, redemption gets back to the rescue part, but then there's a part of that rescue that, that's very important. So redemption brings a couple meanings. So if you're a note taker, write this down. The word redemption is liberation from what enslaves God's people. So again, that goes back to our first week. We're, we're delivered. We're rescued. We're saved. So liberation from what enslaves God's people but there's, there's a, a, another part to redemption that, that really picks up in fulfillment as what we find in the New Testament is that redemption comes at a price that is paid. And that word is ransom. If, if somebody kidnapped my wife, God forbid, okay, and they left me a ransom note, 
What's the ransom asking? They're, they want something in return for me to get her back. Hopefully it's not a lot of money, all right? I'll pay what I got. I can't pay what I don't. I'll do anything to get you back. All right, so the ransom is a price that is paid to regain something. So our redemption is that I have been rescued and delivered, right? But it came at a cost. It came at a price paid. So redemption, deliverance, but, but for there to be redemption, there has to be a redeemer, the one who pays the price. The words go together there. And also, and we'll talk about this in a few moments, I am redeemed to something. I gain something. So redemption paints a bigger picture of our salvation. Now, at the time of the New Testament writings, the, the, the Gospels and, and certainly the epistles that came after, this kind of terminology would have really hit home. Because among, the, among the, those that are being saved in the early church, you had those that were called free men, you had slaves, and you had those that were considered freedmen, in other words, slaves or prisoners of war that had been free because they paid some sort of a price to get their freedom. Okay? So that word redemption would have carried a lot of weight in the early church based on the way society was working and, and, and happening. There were free men, there were slaves, and there were freed men. So that redemption is, is that if you're a slave in the Roman world or a prisoner of war, depending on the situation, you could somehow, way, pay a price to earn your freedom and had a freed man status. Okay? So, so this idea of redemption, of course, it brings along some Old Testament themes with, with um, the Israelites being redeemed out of Egyptian slavery and different things of that nature. But redemption is that slaves or prisoners of war can be freed at a price. Now, you think about humanity. We've been talking about salvation in, in our series on Wednesday nights in, in the book of Romans has a lot to do with this. Romans chapter 6, that we're slaves to sin, right? Without salvation, man is a prisoner to his sin. Man is a slave to his sin. John chapter number 8, verse number 34. Let, let's, let's go there. We're, we're going to jump into a bunch of verses in a few moments. Let's just start here. John chapter 8 and verse number 34. And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a what to sin? Slave. When you're a slave to something, you are in submission to it, and you ultimately have to obey it. That's the way the system works. When you're a slave to your sin, you're in submission to sin, and you obey the desires to fulfill sin. Man's lost in his sin. So when we talk about what it means to be saved, you have to highlight what it means almost in a way not to be saved, different ways the Bible talks about that. Not saved or in your sin, dead. Lost in your transgressions. Lost, in darkness, separated 
slaves to sin, in the dominion of darkness, enemies of God. These are different ways the Bible talks about what it means to be in your sin and not into salvation through Jesus Christ. You're lost. You're dead. You're actually in the dominion of darkness. You're in darkness. That whole theme of darkness and light that you find in the scriptures is very, very much highlighted. But we're people, as a human race, as individuals, we are lost and dead in our sin, and we need redeemed. That first part of redeemed, we need rescued. Rescued in the idea that I'm lost, I'm separated, and I need what it means to have new life. So, salvation, in an aspect of our salvation is that I have been taken from the status of being a slave and turned to absolute freedom. you imagine the life change that happens when that happens? In bondage, in submission, in full obedience to something other than yourself, to be set free into a new way of living. Now, now what, what's amazing, if you really get into history and study history, sometimes, sometimes, not always, but sometimes the freedom of slavery didn't necessarily always go well for the slave because, yes, it's great not to be in captivity, but then what kind of life do you have when you walk out of it? You see what I'm getting at? And it wasn't always a good thing. You want to be out of slavery, but, but given no tools to live life, no tools to establish life, no tools to, to, to earn income and have a property and all those different, there, there was a whole process happening there. What's wonderful is that when we are brought out of slavery and the freedom, we're not left on our own to make life, but he's with us every step of the way so we live the freedom that we've been given. We're not just turned out and set free, but now we're empowered to live. That's what deliverance brings. It's not just set free, but it also now the empowerment to live. That's part of our redemption. So my Redeemer redeems me, and when I'm redeemed, I gain new life. I gain a new way of living. I gain this intention of God in original creation, what it means to live in him and live by him and live for him. In other words, right relationship, reconciliation. Amen. That's what God redeems me to. Now, again, what I was saying earlier, how much do you pay attention to this relationship that you have? Is, is God with me? Have I been marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit? Yep. Does God dwell in me? Yep. How much do we pay attention to that relationship? How much do we pay attention to the tools that he's given me to connect and to grow and to learn? You've been given freedom, now what are you doing? As we were saying Wednesday, remember Paul said, does that mean that we, we continue to offer ourselves as a slave to sin? No, you've been freed. Live free. But live free in him. Redemption not only sets you free, but it redeems you to something. Okay, you gain something. Remember, you're not just saved from things, you're saved to things. You're not just saved from your sin, you're saved to new life. That's why salvation is not just going to heaven when you die. 
Salvation is today. How are you living in the new life that you've been afforded because you've been set free from your sin? You've been brought out of bondage, taken out of slavery. How are you living in that today? It's not just trying to survive until I die and go to heaven. By the way, let's just throw that out there too. I'm not just trying to survive. I am living with the help of the Holy Spirit to the best that I can today to live in the new life that he's given. He's brought me out of the ashes of death and has given me a new life. What am I doing with it? You see? So I'm brought out of something, but I'm given something too. You got to see salvation that way. Now, Mark chapter 10, verse number 45. But that deliverance from sin, this is where we're going to really start jumping around in the Bible a little bit. That deliverance from sin, it needs a ransom. It needs a price paid because the wage of sin is death. And that death is not going to let go unless a price is paid. So Mark chapter 10, verse number 45 is one of those uh, passages of scripture that that kind of make, make you shake your head a little bit, but Jesus kind of ends it in a good way. Disciples are uh, arguing about who may be among the greatest among them, right? Imagine following Jesus around, and he, he knows that you guys are arguing about who's going to be the greatest. I don't know. It's not a spot I want to be in, right? Humility was sort of missing in the moment, right? But this is how he ends it. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom, as a payment, as a price for many. And by the way, this is, this is where the greatest response of the thanksgiving and praise of our life comes from. That Jesus is the ransom for our salvation. So when you think about the cross of Jesus, the cross of Jesus it sets against this backdrop of redemption, which is deliverance and salvation being brought from something, but it could only fully happen with a price paid. That's the cross. So Jesus died on the cross to release us from the slavery of sin, to let the condemned go free, and to release from the condemned the due penalty for their sin, which is ultimate death and separation from God, the wrath of God. Jesus paid the price. And how much we should worship him, by the way, just for that. You know, you know often we can get caught up in asking God for stuff, right? It, it, cast your cares upon him, yes, take your request to him, the Bible says that. But if nothing else, how much more does he need to do for us? The greatest miracle of your life is that you have been brought from death to life. You know that? It's the greatest miracle. And I believe in a miracle-working God who, who will answer our prayers, but the greatest miracle, the greatest act of God in your life is to save you from your sins. And how much should our worship and our adoration and our praise come from our lives because of what he has done already for us? Amen. So Jesus is the ransom. 
He is the price paid for our release from slavery. So in other words, God redeems us at the cost of himself. God came in flesh in order to be the ransom for our, our redemption. The cost is his own life. Colossians chapter 1. Let's go there. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 13 and 14. He has, Jesus has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, deliverance. We were rescued at the cost of a price and the forgiveness of sins. You've been delivered from darkness and brought into light. You were once orphaned and now you are the sons and the daughters of God. But, but specifically, how did this happen? John chapter 1, verse 29. Now, I don't think we'll read all of these I've written down. Maybe I'll, I'll give some for your reference later. John chapter 1, verse 29. Proclamation of, of John the Baptist. And the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why did he call him a lamb? Of course, we go back to Old Testament sacrifice. The lamb being offered up for the sins of the people. Jesus is the lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world. But the lamb only fulfills the purpose if it is actually sacrificed. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 7. First Corinthians 5, 7. Paul writing here, and he's talking about working things out of your life. So it says, cleanse out the old leaven that you may have a new lump as you really are unleavened. Talking about forgiveness and those kind of things. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been what? He's been what? He's been sacrificed. Write down, look at this one later yourself, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 through 19. So how is Jesus the ransom that was paid? Well, well, it's sort of obvious if you've been in church much, but it's because that he came and willingly became a sacrifice for us in our place called substitutionary work. What is the ways of sin? Death. That is why your body, and, and you guys celebrated my birthday last week. I'm experiencing this firsthand. My body's getting older. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay. Now, I'm saved, right? Yeah. I have faith, do I not? Yeah, but my body is still getting older, and if Jesus tarries long enough, I'm going to physically die, Right? The wage of sin is what? Death. And it shows itself in our world and in our physical humanity. It shows up. The ultimate act of redemption that comes with the price paid has to come through death because that is what the wage demands. 
That is why God comes in flesh and takes on a human body and then being sinless, unlike me, sinful, sinless, he becomes the one who brings ultimate fulfillment to all the things that we find in the scriptures and he dies on a cross in our place as a sacrifice. He physically dies. So the idea that God came to earth and died is not just some sort of uh, idea, nor, nor is it, uh, or you hear some people say, well, Jesus didn't die physically, he just died spiritually. They, they say things like that. No, 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 no. He died. And he literally, as the ultimate sinless sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he died on a cross. That's the ransom that was paid. Philippians 2 says that he was obedient even to death on a cross. That's why Jesus came. But there's a part of his death that, that being the ransom price that was paid that, that goes one step further. So it's in Hebrews chapter 9. In verse number 11. Now, I would encourage you to read the book of Hebrews because the book of Hebrews takes a lot of what I'm saying and, and goes into depth about it. But Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 11. And, and there's all sorts of imagery here and fulfillment of Old Testament things. But when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with, with hands, it is not of his creation, he entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood. Thus securing, what? Eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, in other words, fulfillment, doing it the whole way, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of the new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, so that death has occurred that redeems them from the transgression committed under the first covenant. Jump down to verse 22. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So it wasn't just that Jesus died on the cross physically, but the price paid was then the shedding of his blood. For where there is no shedding of blood, there is no the forgiveness of sins. Our redemption is bought with the bodily death of Jesus and the shedding of his blood in which we stand. As, as, as the song goes, what can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. So our redemption, I'm rescued, I'm set free, I'm delivered, is bought with the price of a bodily death and the shedding of blood of the only perfect sacrifice that has been. And by the way, it's a once and done sacrifice. Aren't you thankful that Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets and we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore? Amen. I think it's good, right? We don't have to do the old business, the old covenant stuff. We stand in the blood of Jesus today. By the way, along with that, there's one more um, way I want to see this. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 13. 
So Jesus died. He shed his blood. But part of all of this is, is what it says here. Galatians 3.13. And Christ redeemed us from the curse. What is the curse of sin? Of the law that is exposed by the law. By being a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Part of our redemption in Christ paid is that Jesus on the cross became a curse for us. That he took into his body the sins of the world and became a curse. To, to do what? To redeem us from the curse. Amen. So our redemption, the price that was paid, Jesus died physically, he shed his blood, and he became a curse, took the curse for us. But then, you know, he defeated all of it, right? Because he rose from the dead. This whole new life business, that, that's what that's about. You don't need to turn there, but 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is talking about sexual sins and, and how you should not be involved in, in sexual sins because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and Paul, Paul says this there. He says, therefore, honor God with your bodies because you've been bought with a price. That's redemption. You've been bought. Your, your life has been purchased by God with the price of the cross. That's redemption. So we are to live life in honoring of him because the price that he paid to redeem us from what we were slaves to. That's salvation. Salvation is rescuing, deliverance, all with this backdrop that it only fully happened because of a price that was paid, and therefore I worship God, and I honor him, not just with my words, not just with my song, but I honor him in how I live because he paid that price. Titus chapter number 2. Two more verses and we'll close up. Titus chapter 2, verse number 11. Highlights what I'm talking about. Titus chapter 2, verse number 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Training us to read, watch this, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives, lives in the present age, waiting for the blessed hope, the, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from the lawlessness and to purify himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works." Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. That's talking to the leadership there. Why are we redeemed? Part of our redemption, again, is because of life today, right now. That we learn to live what it means to be free from our sin, to be set free from slavery, to be brought out of the dominion of darkness into 
the ways of God. And, and notice some of the things he says there about living upright, learning how to live godly. You've been redeemed to this. Part of your salvation is your life. And look at yourself with the understanding, I've been set free. If you're here Wednesday, that's not who I am anymore. Do you know that? Now, I understand, I understand that when we talk about church, we can say, man, we're just a bunch of sinners learning how to live for Jesus. I get that terminology. I understand what they're saying. But, but in reality, your identity is, I am no longer a sinner. I've been set free from that. I have a new identity in Jesus, and that's free. That's, a, that's a, a child of God. He is my father. Remember last week we were talking about part of reconciliation is when I'm saved, I can look up and say, that is my father. I've been adopted into his family. That's your identity. You're a child of God. I am no longer a slave, but now I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I am now adopted into the family of God. He's my father. That's my identity. Learn what it means to live in that and not live in that anymore. Amen. But there, there's, there's a little bit more to this whole thing, and that is Romans chapter 8. Last verse, I promise, and we'll close up. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 23. And we'll, we'll actually be in Romans 8 on Wednesday, by the way. And not only the creation... But we ourselves, who are the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our what? Our bodies. What, what, what's Paul writing about here? He's talking about the resurrection of the dead. So, like I said, I'm saved, but my body's still getting old. The fullness of my redemption will happen when my body is resurrected to eternal life. That's the fullness of our redemption. Our redemption work has, has results now, but it also will have final results in the future to come when Jesus comes back. You know that? So I have been set free. That happened when, when I first got saved years and years ago. I've been set free. But part of my redemption through the price of, of the death of Jesus is what am I doing with my life today? Am I doing something with what I've been redeemed to, what I have gained? All the while, while I wait for the fullness of redemption to come, my resurrection body to come. That's the, the full scope of redemption and salvation. So I'm saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved. That's the life that we live. So here's what I believe. I believe that no person alive is beyond the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? There is nobody alive that Jesus cannot break out of the slavery they are bound in their sin. No person. I also believe that once Jesus breaks you out, that there's nothing in your life that he can't redeem you from. You know that. So you may be saved, 
but you struggle with this. You know what? You can be redeemed out. You can gain new life there. You may have a broken heart. You've been saved, but your heart is broken because of past things. He can redeem you out of and gain new life in those things. There's nothing that the arm of the salvation of God is too short to touch in your life, even after your salvation. Because that's what it means to be saved. There's something, a redemptive work that is happening in me all the way until he comes again and makes me brand new. But I don't want to wait. You know that? I understand. There may be some things in my life that are broken. I'm saved, but I'm still being saved, right? So I know that when he comes back, whenever his timing is, that those things will be brought into fullness of healing and all that stuff. I believe that. But I don't, I don't want to just hang on and wait. I want the power of the Holy Spirit to be working in me today. What am I doing with the life that I've been gained? Right? I don't want to wait. Let the Holy Spirit redeem me today in the things that I'm dealing with. This is part of what it means to walk with it. How much am I paying attention to how much he wants to work in my life? He's my father. He's a good God. How much am I allowing his work in me? Amen. So, a couple things then today. First of all, I want to call you to salvation if you're not saved. And it's the call that's open for all people that God will save each one who calls on his name. Amen. But secondly, I want to call you to the healing work, the redemption work of God in your life in areas of your life where you struggle, you're hurt, you're scarred, whatever it is, that God can do a work in you while we wait for him to come again, whenever that is. Amen? So how about this? I want to pray, and I'm going to ask. We don't, we, don't do, we don't do much here. I know we don't do this much. We don't do much the head bowed and eyes closed then. I like head up, eyes open, more than that. That's just me. But we're going to do the head bowed and eyes closed thing today. All right, is that cool? Is that okay? And I'm going to ask if you're here and you're not saved or, or maybe at one point you proclaimed, you know, Jesus the Lord of your life, but you've just been playing with, it, playing with it and it hasn't been a serious, real, paying attention to it thing in your life. I'm going to ask I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand up so I know who you are, and we're going to pray together because then I want to get with you later, okay? Then I want to ask for those of you that, that you're saying, you know what, I need help. I, I need redemption in this area of my life. I'm going to ask you, you know, and we're going to pray more for that then. But everybody close your eyes. Bow your heads this morning. So if that's you this morning, you're saying, I need to be saved. I've been playing at this where maybe I've never been saved. I've never given my life to Jesus. Go ahead and raise your hand up. Let me see who you are. Okay, thank you for that hand. You can, you can put it down. Anybody else before, before we pray together? Okay, here's, here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm not going to do a repeat after me thing. Because I want you to call on the name of the Lord. I want you to ask for the forgiveness of your sins. And I want you to declare 
today the day of salvation for your life with your words. So as I pray, it's as simple as that. The Bible says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe that he is raised from the dead and you shall be saved. The Bible says to repent of your sins because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. So as I pray, you reach out to God with those things. Okay? Lord, Lord, we thank you for those that raised their hand. For today is the day of salvation. It's a day of salvation for those who believe and who call on your name, who ask for the forgiveness of their sins. And I pray, Lord, that, that they understand that just by asking those things, you, you have been near, but you draw into right relationship with them, Lord, and that you are not far from them, you're not distant from them, Lord, but you're right with them, and you're now there to be with them and to help them to live what it means to be saved. So Lord, strengthen them, give them wisdom, Lord. I pray that this is a, a way of life, a discipleship, long-term discipleship that carries them on to eternity with you. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Now, for those of you that you have an area of your life, you say, I need the work of God. I, I need redemption here. If you got some things like that, raise your hand up. Let me see. Anybody? A few of you. Okay. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to dismiss. Uh, we do have that parent meeting, remember, uh, about Aqua Grande, if you're interested in that. I'm going to ask that those that raised your hand, if you'll come down, because I'd like to pray with you personally, okay, as we dismiss. So let me say a closing prayer. Then, then those that raised your hand, you can come down. Lord, we thank you for being in your house today. I pray blessings on everybody as they head out this week until uh, we see everybody again Wednesday and next Sunday. Lord, that you're with them. You're guiding them. They're, they're, they're listening to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit every single day, keeping in step with your spirit as we live in you and we live by you and we live for you. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, if you raise your hand up for that,